Funko is finally releasing Hamilton Pops. Uh, which one of us will be the first to make a stop-motion recreation of the musical? Uh, I'm going to go first because, let's just be honest, that is something that, even though I feel like Tabitha's would be more historically accurate, even more accurate than the musical itself, I feel like this is 100% something that Pickett would do. Uh, Tabitha, what about you? Yeah, I would like to do this and do it like in a historically accurate way. It would be a little less fun, a little less scandalous, but a little more educational. However, I do not have the time or the patience or the knowledge or the technology to do it. So I'm going to go with Pickett, but it would take him like 64 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, follow-up question. Which do we get first? The stop-motion Hamilton recreation by Pickett or the wins a winner by George R. R. Martin? Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Stop motion Hamilton by Pickett. Yeah. I've lost all faith in George R. R. Martin. I still have some faith in Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt, who's going to make that uh, Hamilton recreation? Um, so I'm actually going to say Tabitha in way of me. Um, because she would run the camera and I would be made to do all of the actual stop motion work. So she would be the camera person just standing there going, okay, move them there, directing me to put them in different places. Nope, no, that's too far. Move it back. And then clicking the camera until she got the shot that she wanted. This is only because I've been trying to make him learn all the dances from Greatest Showman so we can become TikTok famous. <laughs> that's the only reason he says that. <laughs> oh, man. She I, wants I TikTok famous because of something I've done. <clears throat> yep. That was my thought, too. <laughs> I, I was just going to ask, like, care to elaborate? Um, so there are, like, all these people on TikTok doing, like, Broadway show dances. And I've recently gotten Matt to watch much more Broadway, like, movie adaptations than before. And, and um I've been trying to get him to learn the dances because these people are like getting famous on TikTok for knowing the dances and I want to be behind the camera and I want him to know to do the dances. <laughs> so I want him to do the work, but I want to take credit. <laughs> I mean, sounds, sounds fair. It sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. Ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, the first thing is that... Uh, Disney had a presentation for the Television Critics Association uh, revealing premiere dates for various shows. I'm not going to talk about all of them, but some of the ones that are of interest to us or things that we've talked about in the past. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to premiere March 19th. Uh, Mighty, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers premieres March 26th. Uh, Star Wars The Bad Bitch premieres on May 4th. Uh, Loki, uh, June 11th. Monsters at Work, which is a Monsters, Inc. sequel, July 2nd, and then Turner and Hooch, July 16th. Yeah, I, I am very, very excited for most of these. Not all of them, but most of these. Yeah, it's just going to be something new to watch on Disney Plus, like, every week for the rest of the year. 
which is smart slash super evil on their part. Of course. But at the same time, like, props to them for recognizing, you know, uh, that bad bitch needs to premiere on Star Wars Day. Right. So, uh, Also, speaking of all things Disney, uh, we have a name for the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, after a day of uh, being trolled by uh, Tom Holland and others within the movie uh, with fake names, we learned that Spider-Man No Way Home will debut December 17th. Um, I don't know that I like that name because I'm already, as I've said like multiple times, you know, how I feel like they've adapted Tom Holland Spider-Man to be like the ultimate universe Spider-Man leading to Miles Morales, I feel like a name like No Way Home could spell the end of this Peter Parker. Well, I mean, it has been noted that he is not under contract with Marvel past this movie. Um, I did see something today that he basically replied back to that, that all they have to do is ask and he will jump at the chance. But uh, that either way, he's... Like, this is the end of his, his Marvel contract with uh, No Way Home. Is this the third one with him? Yes. Isn't that just tradition for Peter Parker's at this point? We get three movies with each Peter Parker actor, and then we don't get any more? Uh, you get two with Andrew Garfield. Right. Well, that's for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man is becoming the new Doctor Who. You do three movies slash seasons, and you change it up. Then we'll get a female Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, they're already talking... Spider-Gwen, maybe. No, I said Spider-Man. Then it would just be Spider-Person. <laughs> Sp- doesn't, that doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Person, Spider-Person. Sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Matt, you've got some news on BlizzCon Online, or B- BlizzCon Live, or... Yeah, they, they called it BlizzCon Line this year, which, I mean, I give them credit for. They played that off pretty well. Um, yeah, BlizzCon was all online this year. Um, as usual, a, like, just wealth of announcements from them. Um, quick rundown. Uh, Blizzard Arcade Collection was actually released just this past week for PC. Um, some of their original games are now, like, been remastered and available for play. Um, World of Warcraft Shadowlands, the most recent expansion, um, they announced the newest patch for that, 9.1. There's going to be a new realm or new area to discover, more quests as usual, um, a 10 boss raid and an eight boss mega dungeon, um, as well as more. So pretty much a typical patch for, uh, the expansions. Um, Remember forever, kind of long ago, we talked about how they were basically resetting World of Warcraft in some cases and doing World of Warcraft Classic. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you wanted to do old school World of Warcraft, you could. Um, they are continuing that, and World of Warcraft Classic is getting its first expansion, which was the first expansion for the original World of Warcraft, Burning Crusade. Basically going to be the same rundown. New zone, new level cap, flying mounts, that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're playing World of Warcraft Classic, you will continue to progress like old school. Um, their digital collectible card game Hearthstone is getting a World of Warcraft theme, themed expansion called Forged in the Barrens, 
Uh, it's going to have 135 new cards. So um, I've played a little bit of that. Um, I haven't paid for any card packs, um, but it is fairly fun. Um, it's a little time consuming um, to play the matches, but I mean, it's fun. And I don't know, 135 new cards uh, for those that are collectors is always a kind of a fun thing. Um, we got the typical Diablo 4 update. Um, they're still working on it. They have announced that the Rogue class is going to be back for Diablo 4, which the Rogue has not been around since, I think, the original Diablo game. Um, Diablo 2 resurrected, as is the theme with, I don't know, basically most video games today. They are, it's kind of like Hollywood. They're just pulling old games and remastering them. Um, so Diablo 2 Resurrected is a remastered version of Diablo 2. It's going to be available for PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, the Series X, and the Switch. Um, and then kind of their big news of the BlizzCon line is more information about Overwatch 2. Um, they said that they are going to be releasing more details in March and April. Um, they have announced officially that we will not see Overwatch 2 in 2021. Um, but they did announce a couple of new maps. Um, they are working on the idea of passive skills for each of the classes. Um, I watched a video on it today. They said actually like the DPS classes like inherently would move a little bit quicker. Um, the tank classes would resist knockback um, abilities a little bit more. So it's the kind of the stuff that they've done with World of Warcraft, but like putting it into Overwatch in a multiplayer kind of sense. Um, other than that, not a whole lot of new information. They did re they did release looks, um, like updated looks for a couple of the new character, not a couple of the new characters, but a couple of the characters in general. Um, and they did kind of let it spill too that um, all of these because they're doing a campaign, a solo. Um, part to overwatch two, which the first one does not have. Um, and every one of those missions is going to have a cinematic intro and outro. So those are going to be pretty story heavy. So, I mean, blizzards pretty well known for their gorgeous cinematics. Um, so, I mean, that'll be kind of fun to see how that, um, expands into the game. So that is your blizzcon line rundown. And this is one of the cool things about um, how people have adapted to, you know, these like conventions at home or, you know, what have you. I feel like this was one of the ones that gave us the most information virtually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, BlizzCon is kind of known like for giving a lot of information or updates in regards to whatever projects they're working on. Um, I think that a lot of people expected the cursory updates on Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4. They basically got that for Diablo 4, um, but there was a lot more information for Overwatch 2, um, including the video that I watched, which is like all like a, a lot of the development team basically admitted that it was an interesting switch for them to move uh, to working virtually. Like, instead of working in an office altogether, they were all working on the same project from home. But uh, they've still made a lot of progress on that, so. 
So a couple of press releases to talk about before we get into our reviews. Uh, the first one, Vault has announced a new uh, maxi series from uh, Christopher Cantwell and Kurt Michael Russell called The Blue F uh, Flame. So according to uh, the description from the press release, uh, so The Blue Flame is a cosmic hero. The Blue Flame is a DIY vigilante that fights crime on the streets of Milwaukee. The Blue Flame is a blue-collar HVAC repairman named Sam, Bra uh, Sam Brossom. Uh, in the wake of a horrific tragedy, the boundaries of the Blue Flame's identity blur even further. Now, before a universal trial, the Blue Flame must prove that humanity is worth saving. But in order to do that, Sam Brossom has to save himself. Can he? Uh, Vault Editor-in-Chief Adrian Wasal uh, said that uh, the Blue Flame is either the truest superhero story I've read or it's not a superhero story at all. Uh, the book debuts in May, and this is an interesting concept to begin with. Uh, it also kind of feels a lot like uh, uh, Encounter at Farpoint, you know, with Q trying to, you know, make the Federation prove humanity is worth saving. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it, what really gets me about this one, and I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain this is going to be like the first comic from vault with a superhero oh yeah oh yeah also z2 has announced a partnership with blondie uh for a graphic no novel called against the odds uh chronicling chronicling the band's early years uh the graphic novel is uh by the team that uh, uh is probably most famous for their run on harley quinn uh, amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti uh, it's going to be released in the fall and is available for pre-order now. Um, I never read their run on Harley Quinn, but I know that it was super popular. And I feel like this team could do justice to this story. So a couple of books to talk about tonight. Uh, the first one is Jana and the Impossible Monsters, number one. Uh, it's out March 3rd from Oni Press by Chris uh, Samney and Laura Samney. So Rainbow is searching for her sister, Jana, who was last seen the same day that Rainbow saw one of the terrifying monsters out to destroy humanity. Tabitha, I want to start with you on this one. What did you think of this book? Um, I really liked this. Uh, it didn't give me a whole lot. Like the first, like what, five pages are like basically completely dialogue free other than you seeing like, you know, Jana running around in the woods and then this monster appearing. Um, and then it's, it, it starts there and then it ends after like a time jump where Rainbow has been notified that someone might have found her sister a year later. <laughs> and it, had this been like four pages longer and given me a little bit more detail about like the monsters just in general, it might have hooked me. But I don't know anything. Like I know, I know nothing. I know two character names. That's all I know after 20 pages. Like, that's just not enough for me for a first issue of anything to keep me that interested. Like, I need more. I need, I needed more of the story to make me care about the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I want to really like this story. I think it's got a lot of potential. Uh, but yeah, I felt the same way. I, I ended the, the book being like, okay, well, what just happened? Yeah. Um, I would have liked you know, I, I would have liked a little bit of backstory with the monsters, with, you know, Rainbow and Janna. Uh Also, I think that it's really weird I, how, like, 
we don't even really know when this story takes place. You know, is it like a, because uh, Rainbow wears contemporary clothes, but everybody else looks like they're dressed up, you know, in like the Middle Ages or something. So is yeah. it like a post-apocalyptic type of thing or whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will happily check out issue two, but I hope that I get more answers with issue two. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, the first couple of pages, I was wondering if this was going to be like a more kid-friendly version of Savage. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got this, you know, Savage type of character running around and then there's a battle with monster dinosaurs and I'm like, and then the time jump happened. And I, I kind of have to agree. I think I wish there was a little bit more, I know that we're going to get more backstory as we continue, but like, I wish there was a little bit more explanation of what happened to cause that time jump. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Mitch. Like I, I definitely will check out issue two to see where this continues to go, but I would have liked a little bit more to sink my teeth into. So out March 17th, also from Oni Press, is Martian Ghost Centaur uh, by Matt uh, Hagerty and Steph uh, Medid. So Southboro used to be a bustling tourist uh, attraction. Thanks to a Sasquatch sighting, now the town is all but in the hands of Startup.com, a startup that helps people start their own startups. Uh, too bad they have to deal with Louis O'Connor. Uh, this book was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of making you feel for all the characters. You know, it didn't... I mean, Louis is the main character, but, like, you also got a good look into the lives of the, you know, supporting characters. Uh, also, there were times where, you know, like, yes, I was rooting for Louis, but at the same time, it's like, I would get angry at some of the things that she would do. But then I also remember she's a teenager. So that kind of makes sense. <laughs> um, Matt, you said that you got about halfway through it. What are your thoughts so far? My biggest question right now is this book is about a town that Sasquatch or the viewing of Sasquatch or the discovery of Sasquatch made famous. But this title is not had the title does not have anything to do with Sasquatch. So I need to know why, how, and where that all comes together. Like there's just, I, I just have so many questions right now that I like, I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying the characters. Um, I love her dad's. Um, uh, but I, I need to, I, I need, I need answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing too, and it's not, um, it's not a spoiler by any means, but there is one scene where Louis is looking for a job and mm. I felt personally attacked during that little montage. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I feel that. I, I feel that in my soul. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some trailer takedown. We have four trailers to talk about tonight. Um, the first matchup is Invincible versus Modoc. Um, Invincible, I, I think we've talked enough about this series, this adaptation. I don't think I need to describe it anymore. Um, it's going up against Modoc. Matt, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, so, Modoc is a 
Hulu series, um, which is going to give us a insight into the life of Modoc, as far as it kind of looks. Um, it's animated. It's debuting on Friday, March 21st. Um, Patton Oswalt is doing the voice of Modoc. Um, it is, it is, it's kind of, I don't know, this trailer was very much not what I expected from a Marvel series. Um, I kind of got a robot chicken meets MCU vibe to this. Um, and as much as I love Patton Oswalt, this trailer is just, it might be too much for me to digest as a Marvel property right now. It's just so far away from everything else that it seems like they've done. So, Matt, where are your points? Um, I am going to put seven points for Invincible because every t- everything I see about this just makes me want to watch it more and more. Um, and three for MODOK because that whole robot chicken vibe just was a little too weird for me. Yeah, that... Uh, I. I made some faces watching that trailer. I was trying to figure out what exactly was happening. But yeah, I completely agree with you. I had like that whole robot chicken meets the MCU thing happening in my head. And it felt like a bad end scene, like a bad end credit scene from a Marvel movie where they were trying to be funny. Like it just, I don't know. Um, But Invincible looks like a 90s cartoon. And give it to me. So I'm going to go nine for Invincible and one for Creepy Robot Chicken Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. Invincible, I can't say enough. I want to say that premieres March 26th, I think. Um, And it's, I am to the point where, like, I want to keep reading, you know, what I've got so I can be ready for it. Um, But yeah, it just, this trailer just solidified how excited I am. Um, Modoc, I've never cared about the character. Um, I'm giving one point to Modoc, and that's only because Patton Oswald. Uh, I feel like I feel like he is a great choice for that character, uh, which leaves nine points for Invincible. So Invincible moves on twenty five to five. <laughs> And it's going to go up against uh, the winner of this interesting matchup. It's Debris versus Rugrats. Uh, Matt, tell me about Debris because I didn't even know that it was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Debris is a project from J.H. Wyman, who is the brain behind Fringe and Almost Human. Um, It is premiering on NBC. It's a UFO mystery drama where strange objects from a destroyed alien spacecraft crash into Earth and in turn screw with the the fabric of reality. Um, And then hence government agents are sent um, to these spots to investigate and figure out what's going on. Uh, Debuts Monday, March 1st. Um, As much as I will never love a pair of alien investigators more than Mulder and Scully. Um, I really enjoyed Fringe. Um, I was one of the few people that watched Almost Human um, until it got canceled. Um, 
<laughs> and this just, it checks all my boxes. It's like, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, to me, it's a mat, mashup of Fringe and X-Files. And I could always use, always use more X-Files. So that is going up against the reboot of Rugrats, which I didn't even know that it was a thing. Uh, it's got, uh, as far as I know, the entire original cast. It's a weird CGI animated thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tabitha, let's start with you. So the Rugrats thing creeped me out, but the debris thing pissed me off. So I have to pick between being bad and being <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> I sound literally every day of my life. Um, <laughs> did I wake up and choose chaos today or not? Like, I don't know. Um, so debris has an interesting concept and plot line but like i told matt while we were watching it before i like walked out of the room as i mic dropped like there are only two people i want investigating strange phenomenon and this Mulder and scully and jacked up what's his name from all the teen movies from when i was in high school is not who i want investigating those things um but the rugrats thing is just like the voices are the same but the animation is different and it makes me feel like i'm on acid but i'm also nine years old so i can't decide what's going on uh, so I'm going to give five to each because I can't pick which is worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't really a fan of either one of these, to be honest with you. Uh, Debris was, it was okay. And I feel like while it's not necessarily the show's fault, um, NBC doesn't have a really good track record when it comes to these types of shows, when it comes to like sci-fi or whatever. Um but yeah, so I was going to go five and five because at the at the same time, like with Rugrats, uh, yeah, the voices were the same. And I feel like if they had updated the animation style slightly, but then like kept it mostly the same, I feel like I'd be on board for it. But I'm just, I am not feeling this one at all. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't like it that much that, I'm giving Debris an extra point. So I'm giving Debris six and Rugrats four. Matt. That animation style for Rugrats just was so jarring and bizarre that I, I, I can't, even with the original voice cast, I feel like I'm watching a bad, like one of those bad 90s Saturday morning 3D cartoons. Um, like, what was it, Reboot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the like the CGI was supposed to be good, but it was so bad that it wasn't even good. I don't know. This just I I can't even with like I said, even with the original cast, I can't get behind this. So despite my I don't know irritation that it's not Mulder and Scully, I'm still going seven points for Debris and three for Rugrats because that animation style just I can't. <laughs> All right. So with a score of eighteen to twelve, Debris moves on. So Debris goes up against Invincible. I'm going to start. I'm giving all my points to Invincible. Uh, Debris gets nothing. Uh, Again, uh, I feel like that says more about Invincible than it does Debris. Uh, (laughs) I feel like if it was going up against about anything else, Debris would at least get a couple points. Uh, Matt? Um, I am going to go eight for Invincible and two for Debris. 
um, just based on the strength of those trailers alone, because like, you're right. NBC doesn't have a great track record. Um, and again, everything I see about Invincible just makes me want it more. Tabitha. Uh, I'm going to give nine to Invincible and I'm going to give uh, Debris a pity one because I feel like the, the plot is good, but I feel like it's found a bad home in bad acting. I feel, <laughs> bad. <laughs> I feel bad for it, so I'm going to give it a point. Feel bad for the idea? I, no, I don't feel bad for the idea. I love the idea. I feel bad for literally everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so with a score of 27 to 3, this week's winner of Trailer Takedown is Invincible. <laughs> So, um, going to get into some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with Tabitha and a new Gargoyles game. So, Ravensburger Games is releasing a co-op board game based on the Disney animated series Gargoyles. Yes. And I'm just going to read you the, like, synopsis of the game. Uh, players will take on the role of one of six heroes, Goliath, Brooklyn, Lexington, Broadway, Hudson, or Detective Maza. Working together, they will take on Xantos and Demona in four different scenarios. Players do battle on a three-dimensional cityscape board, showing Manhattan as it was presented in the cartoon, complete with the castle, top skyscraper, the police clock tower, and more. The game is for two to five players, ages 10 and up, and will be available for purchase at Target for $34.99 on August 1st, which happens to be three days before my birthday, should anyone be so inclined. <laughs> um, I loved Gargoyles, the TV show. This looks super fun. The little characters look exactly the same, and the little, little board looks exactly like the, the TV show, and I just, I want it, and I'm giving it a giant thumbs up. I loved this series as a kid. To be able to play as those characters in a board game, I think this is a great idea. And 35 bucks yeah. is, like, considering the price of some of these board games these days, 35 is completely reasonable. Huge thumbs up. See, I differ slightly. I feel like the price point is a little higher than I want. Um, it's not ridiculous. It's not to the point where I would, like, completely abandon it. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm completely down for that. And Hey, maybe that's something that we can play when we're all allowed to, you know, be around each other again. So thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so the next story comes courtesy of Lydia, who is not here tonight. Uh, so Nickelodeon is launching avatar studios, which is a new division to create original content that spans out of, um, the world of avatar, the last airbender and the legend of Korra. Uh, the first project is going to be an animated theatrical film set to begin production this year. Uh, I'll give this a thumbs up. I was never a big Avatar fan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I know that a lot of people were. And I, I know that it's something that a lot of people have wanted more of. So that's cool. Tabitha. Yeah, I've watched a lot of people in my life become really obsessed with Avatar The Last Airbender. And I could never get into it. I'm not very good with anime. Sometimes it hurts my eyes, which is a really weird complaint. But um, thumbs up for all the people who are super geeked about this. And I mean, they're just taking over the world at this point. So, <laughs> uh, Matt. Yeah, this seems to be one of those properties where, like, I know that we talk a lot about how, like, we don't want Hollywood or these studios to, like, do sequels or 
continue series that should have been left alone. The the last Airbender, um, Legend of Korra, does not like that fan base. And as much as like I would love to be part of it, I'm not. Um, that fan base does not seem to have that issue. So the idea that they're going to be getting more content in regards to this universe that they love, I'm going thumbs up just for that idea. Because you know, if you can get those things where people want more and want expanded universes, absolutely go for it. Uh, Matt, let's talk about, speaking of expanding universes, uh, let's talk about a sequel to The Nightmare Before Christmas. So we are getting a book, no title yet, but basically it's The Nightmare After Christmas. Um, It's a YA novel uh, written by Shay Erdshaw. It is going to be released July of 2022. It is set immediately after the film. Um, It is from Sally's point of view, where Sally accidentally sets a Halloween town villain free. So not only does she have to deal with, at this point, basically just becoming Mrs. Pumpkin King, um, (laughs) but like the repercussions of what she's done. Um, And like I said, as much as we don't, there are some properties where I think that that they should be left alone and should be as they are. Um, As far as movie and like theatrical or TV show goes, no, we don't need, we don't want, we should never have any more Nightmare Before Christmas. But if you want to do this YA novel to kind of expand it and to bring other people into it, this I'm all for. Um, Also something from Sally's point of view, I think would be really kind of cool. Kind of actually looking forward to this. So I'm going to go thumbs up for this idea. Uh, I'm going to go thumb sideways. Uh, mm. I, you, you know how I feel about um, adaptations of a s- story in a different format. Uh, and plus the fact that like I'm one of 12 people who have never seen the original Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, but that said... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that said... Uh, yeah, I feel like this would be different enough, uh, especially when you're shifting the focus from one character to another. Uh, I feel like it'd be different enough that if I had seen this movie, I would be excited about this. Tabitha. We're just going to skip the part where I'm no longer speaking to you, you <laughs> uncultured swine. Um, I'd go straight to the fact that I'm only responding to Mrs. Pumpkin King from now on. Like, I'm going to just legally change my name. Um, I want this, but I want it to not screw it up. Sally is not one of my favorite characters in, like, Sally's role in Nightmare Before Christmas. Just, I, I don't, I don't need her there. Like, I don't need Sally. Uh, And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for that. Um, so they would have had to do it very well to make me care. So thumbs sideways also mitch we'll talk later about how much tr- trouble you're in <laughs> also next year if you if we have all been vaccinated you can come over when i put up my christmas tree because i watch it every year when i put up my christmas tree <laughs> it's a tradition deal so uh fortnite data miners have come across files under the file name french fry which features stills of peter griffin which leads just about every Fortnite player to believe that the Family Guy character is coming to Fortnite. Uh, I want to give this a thumbs down because 
this sounds dumb, but at the same time, Fortnite is not for me, and they've done this with other characters anyway, so fine, whatever, take my thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, I'm going to need Fortnite to start getting their own original ideas. <laughs> and stop being like, hey, yo, can we borrow your characters? Because we don't know what we're doing, and we're just going to make them dance and get rickrolled all the time. Like, I don't understand Fortnite. Um, so I'm giving everything Fortnite related from here on out a thumbs down. <laughs> Because of their lack of creativity. Matt. Yeah, it's like, I'm, yes, thumbs down. <laughs> Tabitha, let's talk about Solway. So, this children's book was written by Lapita Nyongo and illustrated by Vashti Harrison in 2019, not 1920, and is being adapted into an animated musical for Netflix. Uh, Nyong'o will be producing the film, and the book summary reads, Solway has skin the color of midnight. She is darker than everyone in her family. She is darker than anyone in her school. Solway just wants to be beautiful and bright like her mother and her sister. Then a magical journey into the night sky opens her eyes and changes everything. Uh, we don't have a release date or anything yet, but Lupita Nyong'o has stated that she wrote this book for her five-year-old self because she didn't see anyone like herself in books and magazines. So, you know, if you don't see yourself in a book, you write your own book. And she put, you know, this out there for other girls like her. And the fact that Netflix is adapting this into an animated musical, I cannot wait to see how absolutely stunning the animation of this looks. And also, I'm always on board for a musical, so thumbs up. Matt? My only trepidation with this is the idea of turning it into a musical. Um, if you want to adapt this idea into a cartoon or a live action film or series i i think that would be great um i as much as i have yes watched more musicals as of late um the idea of like turning this into a musical makes me a little hesitant um i love the idea of the book i think the book is a fantastic idea so for the book i'm giving a thumbs up for the idea of turning it into a musical I'm going to go thumb sideways. He's just worried I'm going to make him learn the dances for TikTok. <laughs> I am, it's true. <laughs> um, I'm giving the whole project a thumbs up, and I'm giving a bonus thumbs up to Matt learning the dances. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> sure not. not. Yeah, I didn't expect you to, but you know. <laughs> um. Matt, let's talk about um, Hideo uh, Kojima. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, Hideo, I think, is the first Hideo Kojima. Um, he is the mythic, legendary creator of Metal Gear Solid. Um, he also has done, most recently, Death Stranding. Um, <clears throat> as of the fall of 2021, there is going to be a book focusing on his creative existence, basically. Um, called The Creative Gene. It's going to focus on exploring Kojima's artistic influences and inspirations. Um, some of those are fairly well known throughout the gaming community as far as like action movies um, and like The Great Escape um, had a lot of influence on Metal Gear Solid early on. Um, but this is one of those um, video game creators that everybody kind of wants to get inside their head to see how they do what they do. Um, so the fact that there's going to be a book, I think this is awesome. Now, I don't do a whole lot of nonfiction, but this would probably be one I would pick up 
like right away. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I yeah have nothing to add to that. Thumbs up. Sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I like the fact that like they're taking something that's video game based. Like, you don't see a whole lot of nonfiction based on technology unless it's like super nerd tech. Mm. So I think <clears> this is like this is a cool thing. And to get you to read more nonfiction, I'll give that a giant thumbs up anytime. <laughs> <laughs> So DC has announced 11 new titles. Uh, they announced it at the annual Comics Pro event. Uh, among the new titles are Elseworld, a animated sequel to, or a sequel to the Harley Quinn animated series, uh, Crush and Lobo, and Robin and Batman. Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs up uh, for a couple of the titles. Uh, Harley Quinn is one of those shows that it was on DC Universe, now it's on HBO Max. Uh, I'm surprised at how much I enjoy this show. Um, also, I'm really intrigued at it being Robin and Batman and not Batman and Robin. But mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, thumbs up. Also, there have been rumors about DC shutting down sometime this year. And I feel like them announcing new titles maybe shows that that's not going to be a thing. Tabitha. Uh, yeah, when you said Bat or Robin and Batman versus Batman and Robin, like if we get like, how grumpy Batman is just from Robin's perspective. Give that to me all day long. Thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, I, <clears throat> it has been a while since I regularly read a Batman comic. Um, <clears throat> but the idea of Robin and Batman, um, I feel like I need to find out the release date and actually already sign up for this because the flipping perspective is what really intrigues me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I, I think you're right, though, that the fact that they're announcing new titles is good news. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up. Tabitha, let's talk about your BFF, Rachel McAdams. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the Judy Bloom book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, is getting a film adaptation. This book is 50 years old, and this is its first film adaptation. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. I'm actually kind of like, that's got to be some kind of like Hollywood miracle or something. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> This was announced, like, a really long time ago, back in, like, 2018 or 2017, but now we actually have casting news. Uh, Rachel McAdams is going to be playing Barbara, which is Margaret's mother, and then Abby Ryder Fortson, who played Ant-Man's daughter in the Ant-Man movies, um, is going to be portraying Margaret. Um, production is set to start in April. We have no release date yet, so I'm... I'm, I'm very excited that this is happening as long as they don't mess it up. And I'm worried they're going to modernize it instead of letting it be set in the time that it was written in. And also, Rachel McAdams is only, like, this far below my hatred of Amy Adams. So I just, thumbs up for the idea, thumbs down for the possibility that it could be really crappy or they could over modernize it and always a giant thumb down thumbs down for rachel mcadams and her poor face acting so i'm just gonna go middle ground on this <laughs> um i'm also gonna go thumb sideways because if like this is one of those things like i don't i didn't ever read this judy bloom book but i read a fair number of other ones because i don't know that that was just in my wheelhouse when i was a kid um I, I, this is one of those I definitely feel like if they modernize it, it's going to probably ruin it, actually. Um, so I'm going to go thumb sideways until we get a little bit more information on plot and, like, production. 
yeah, I'm also going to have to go thumb sideways. They could either do this really well or really bad. And yeah, I don't know. Also, Tabitha, a uh, new theory. Do you just have beef with anybody with the last name having the word Adams in it? I like Wednesday Adams. Does she count? Well, she's got an extra D. That's in the. <laughs> In in her name. In her name. <laughs> I don't know. Do I know anybody with the last name? Like, maybe I just don't like people with the last name Adams. So, while you're pondering that, Matt, let's talk about School for Good and Evil. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. All right. Um, so, uh, Netflix is adapting the YA novel uh, School for Good and Evil by Soman Chanani. Chanani. Um, it's a six-book series. Uh, it is being directed by Paul Feig, who was part of Ghostbusters, uh, Bridesmaids, and The Heat. Um, the big news here is that they have added some casting of Carrie Washington, who's going to play Professor Dovey, and Charlize Theron is going to play Lady Lesso. Not a series I've read. Um, it, it's basically a school for fairy tale legacies. So there are there is good and evil. Good being Cinderella, Snow White, etc. What? Those are not correct. That's I read the books. What's what it says in the article? I know, but they're not. They're, those people aren't nice. Well, then the article's wrong. I the don't article know. is wrong. Okay, so there's two sides <laughs> of the school. Both of the girls think they know where they're going to be, like which house essentially they're going to be set in. They end up flipped from what they think um, and then how it works against their friendship and tests them and things like that. Um, I don't know. Carrie Washington and Charlize Theron, fantastic actors. Um, adding them to this series, I think, is going to be great. Uh, like I said, I haven't read this, but I hope they do this justice. Um, I'm Tentatively going to go thumbs up. Yeah, I'm also going thumbs up. Uh, it sounds like a cool concept. Uh, plus, Carrie Washington is just like that Star Wars series that's going to be coming out May 4th. Tabitha. <laughs> I've read the first three books of this series, and Agatha and Sophie are two of the best main characters in a middle grade series that I have ever read, and Professor Lesso is my favorite character in the entire thing. So that makes me super happy that we have casting news for that. Cause I didn't even know this was becoming like this was being adapted. So I'm super stoked. Thumbs up. So Illinois democratic representative, uh, Marcus Evans jr. Wants to completely ban the sale of violent video games. Uh, saying that the game, uh, games desensitize players, uh, leading them to commit similar, uh, crimes in real life. So, I mean, already, you know, and he's talking about games like Grand Theft Auto and, you know, um, you know, already you have to be 18 to buy these games, but now he wants for no one in the state of Illinois to buy them. Um, giant thumbs down. Like, okay, cool. They'll just go to a different state where they can buy them. Uh, also, I think we've had this argument time and 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 time again that video games 
are no more responsible for people being violent in real life than movies are. I watched John Wick and that didn't make me go out and shoot some people, even though I maybe wanted to after watching that movie. Uh, Tabitha. <laughs> yeah, same. Censorship is not something that needs to happen if you, oh my gosh, it's one of those like, if your brain is too young or underdeveloped, then you shouldn't be buying your own video games. And then it comes down to a parenting problem. And then it comes down to a child not being taught the correct way problem, which is again, reflected back to a parenting problem. And then a mental health issue, not a video game issue. That, the problem is not the video games. The problem is the treatment of mental health. So thumbs down for this dude. Matt. Bro, we done had this argument like a zillion times. <laughs> We've been over this. Also, this is the thing I go back to every single time this comes up. The ERSB is self-regulated. They created themselves to monitor video game rating systems on their own before the government decided they wanted to try and step in and do this. Back up. Nobody under 18 can buy these anyways. If your parents buy them for a kid, parents buy them for a kid, that's on the parent. The MPAA, the parental warnings on CDs, all that shit is government regulated. The ERSB was done before the government decided to step in. So nobody else needs to try and regulate who can or cannot buy these video games besides the parents and what's already been done. Enough said. Thumbs down for this guy. Go find something useful to do with your time as a politician. Uh, yeah. So one last story for gut reaction. Uh, we're going to still talk about violent video games. Matt, let's talk about Frogger. <laughs> uh, so Peacock Network is getting a new game show. Uh, it's called, well, it's based on the video game Frogger. <clears throat> they are going to supersize classic traffic dodging courses. Uh, there are going to be 12 different courses that they're calling crossings. They've already ordered... 13 hour long episodes of this disaster. Um, but if you're interested, you can still apply to be a contestant. So maybe as a group for the show, we could go do that and be a team. Forget I said that. That's an awful idea. We never should do that. Um, this is just one of the dumbest things in the entire planet. Why are, what? This is dumber than the floor is lava. Thumbs down. <laughs> uh, I'm. <laughs> I would give this a thumbs up if it wasn't on Peacock. Uh, granted, I, I have minimal experience with that streaming service, but like I had like a free trial or something like that, and I just I wasn't really feeling it. Uh, but that said, like if it was on anywhere else, I would totally give this a shot. Uh, it, not going to lie, it sounds fun. Tabitha. I had finally gotten the fact that I watched that 20 minutes of The Floor is Lava out of my head, and now you put it back, so I'm really mad about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this sounds terrible. Also, we should never do this because we are, none of us, very coordinated or very cooperative. This would go poorly in about two seconds. So, thumbs down. It would make for great TV. The Geek Awakening should never do anything athletic where it requires coordination <laughs> and, like, prior proper planning. I mean, to be fair, we can barely navigate against, like, the crowd at C2E2. Correct. <laughs> very correct. With 
us all going in one direction, it's almost like we're doomed for failure from the beginning. <laughs> all right, everybody go left, and like half of us are like, what? <laughs> yeah, half of the right. Yeah. <laughs> and the other half. Bitch is like, oh, shiny. I'm like, go oh, somewhere completely different. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I thought you're you not. said your left. <laughs> <laughs> You're holding up like your fingers, like, oh yeah, that's yeah. the last one. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we've got one last story, and oh man, it's a doozy. Oh man. All right, so people in the uh, great state of Texas uh, think that the recent winter storm was fake snow that was brought on by Bill Gates for some reason. Um. <laughs> TikTok users held <laughs> flames up to hard-packed snowballs, and instead of melting, they burnt. Uh, people think that because of this, there was actually metal inside the snow, and it wasn't actually snow. Uh, so the actual culprit, not Bill Gates, it's actually science. So, you know, what have you. Uh, so basically... The fire causes the snow to sublimate straight into water vapor instead of liquid. So sublimation is when a solid skips the liquid phase and goes straight to gas. Um, yeah. Y'all remember all those times that Texas tried to secede from the Union? And then we stopped them? Yeah, do you guys have regrets sometimes? <laughs> <sighs> I mean... It can secede straight to Cancun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Zodiac Killer was just checking things out just to see if, you know, it'd be okay. I hate everything. <laughs> I hate everything. I, uh... But, okay, let's, let's be honest for a second. I mean, okay, I love a good conspiracy theory as much as the next person. Uh, doesn't mean I believe them, but I love hearing about them. You know, I, I love hearing about... You know, how people think that, you know, like the JFK, you know, assassination was a giant conspiracy. This is not a conspiracy. Why do all modern day conspiracies somehow involve Bill Gates? Why? Because he controls everything. Everybody thinks he controls everything. Because when people think, when people don't understand something, they think of the person they don't understand the most in the world. And then they think of Bill Gates, who was too smart for them to comprehend. So they're like, oh, you know whose fault it must be? Bill Gates. It's like him or George Soros. It's like... I mean, or Obama. I, I mean, I like how none of these conspiracy theories for smart people focus on Elon Musk, though. Well, no, because he's a mastermind <laughs> villain in the making, and everyone just knows it, so we're trying not to piss him off. That, <laughs> like, that's fair. Yeah. He's going to send us all the cars. <laughs> okay, let's go. Send me up. <laughs> Send the entire state of Texas to Mars. No, I want to go to Mars. Texas can stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking around a bookstore one time, and like Texas has their own constitution because, of course, they do. Like their own, like they've written the constitution, and they bound it up in a book. And I heard a little kid like ask his mom if the Texas state constitution was the same as the United States constitution, and the mom said, "No, it wears cowboy boots." <laughs> and I think about that all the time. Now, do the cowboy well, boots that have Bob is listening. Thank you for that. <laughs> and, like, and how, if the snow wasn't real, how did it get there? Like, Bill Gates, he flew over in a plane and dropped it. 
Like, did he use, like, Wonder Woman's invisible jet or something, or... Probably. Created storm clouds. <sighs> I just... And the storm clouds were just hiding his airplanes or UFOs to drop things on unsuspecting Texans. And ice on their roads that they don't know how to drive on and crash 70 cars on a highway. Like, I feel bad for Texas because a lot of those people straight up did not sign up for the weather. And, like, it's not all of their faults that global warming is happening. But also, if I have to read more, you want to tell me about global warming? Texas has ice. And I have to refrain from explaining how literally everything works to some idiot on social media because I don't have the time or the energy. This is all Texas's fault when we get right down to it. Like, I feel super bad for some of those people. And, like, I have family that live there who, like, have not had power and, like, have had to go to other people's homes and, like, have had pipes bust because they don't have the infrastructure for this kind of weather. But at the same time, like, the it's like, it can't be nice to three people when the, the 9,000 other people that live there are just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and you're right. Like, I'm not, I'm not hating on the, you know, like what they are going through. Cause I mean, like, yeah, if we had, and we had a pretty good storm too, not nearly as bad as they did, but like, we're also built for that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas Texas is not, but at the same time, like, yeah, so I'm, I'm not hating on, you know, the, the people in mass, but like these people who are like, Oh, Texas never snows. We have snow, Bill Gates. Like, <laughs> no the only logical explanation Mitch. i don't know what you're talking about the the only you know the the worst thing that bill gates has done was you know create uh, uh clippy <laughs> that's fair the little paper clip <laughs> that like paper clip oh yeah, god office. i think i yeah. blocked that out because every time I'd accidentally click on the side, he was like, do you need help? I'm like, no! Leave me alone! <laughs> if anybody was responsible for the fake snow, it was Clippy. <laughs> if you don't use a picture of Clippy for this episode and put Bill Gates' face on it and put snow around it, I would be so mad at you. <laughs> Just Clippy in the snow globe. Yep. And cowboy boots. <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right, well... I should probably uh, end this show here because it sounds like I've got a lot of uh, Photoshop in my life tonight. So, <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode of Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, be sure to follow us on social media where we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, uh, give us a follow and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Um, any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, again, from all of us at the Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody, say bye. Bye. bye.